0: Hey, everyone. We want to welcome you to the Floater Founder podcast. This is a Toronto-based podcast featuring local founders across all markets. We are your hosts, Samantha Lloyd.
1: And Lyson Casey. We are going to be bringing you interviews with exciting and hardworking founders. They will be sharing their experience creating and leading a company.
0: Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, you're here with Floater Founder. I'm your host, Samantha Lloyd, here with my co-host, Lizen and Casey.
1: Hello everyone.
0: And today we're super fortunate to get to interview Erica Pearson, the co-founder and CEO of Vacation Fund. So welcome.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: We're super excited that you're here. Uh, can you tell everyone what is Vacation Fund?
2: Yes, absolutely. So Vacation Fund is an employee benefit, employer-matched vacation savings. So it allows employees to direct a portion of their paycheck into a separate vacation fund account and allows companies to match a portion of the contribution. So typically, companies are matching anywhere between 10 and and $100 per paycheck.
0: That's super exciting. I love this idea a lot.
1: Yeah. And uh, as an employee, I think it's a a great idea. But can you tell me a little bit more uh, how this can help uh, employers? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So I think if anything, we're a little bit late to the employee benefits party. Companies over the last 10 years started to realize, okay, we really need to invest in our people. It matters a lot for business. Um, And so companies were looking at new strategies to help them attract and retain talent. It's a very tight labor market right now. So Unfortunately, with the rise of wellness dollar spending from companies, they actually didn't see that many positive results as a result of a lot of this wellness spending. So what's worked in our favor is companies are saying, okay, we have a lot of benefits that are underutilized right now. Our employees don't necessarily care about this spend or this offering that we've given them. So what's helped us is with our first call it 12 plus client companies, our clients have said, okay, this is one of the only benefits we've ever seen that gets over 80% opt-in. Employees actually care. Employees feel like this is a reason for them to come work for this company. This is a reason for them to stay working for this company. So our big picture statement was imagine living in a world where someone on their deathbed was grateful for the company that they worked for because the company helped them live the best version of their lives, fund these incredible experiences. So really for Most companies were finding that it's a retention play, but
0: it's sort of dependent on what the company's talent objectives are in the coming year. Definitely, especially in Toronto where now to get a job, I mean, there's just so many options and really you have to compete to get the best talent. I think it's such a good idea, especially for our generation and everything like that.
2: And we're finding out now actually that despite the fact that millennials love to travel, we're also the worst at using our vacation time. Mm -hmm. So some companies, there's actually a registered charity in Canada that came to us saying, we've been looking at you for months because as a registered charity, We have people that have accumulated 15 weeks of unused vacation time. It's a massive balance sheet liability. We can't carry it anymore. We need to increase vacation day usage. So what if we put money towards it and restrict that money based on the number of days that people are taking?
0: Mm -hmm. Why do you think that people, I guess, feel so guilty about taking vacation nowadays?
2: There's my own internal theory that thinks, okay, we, we all want to be in this team mentality. And so we don't want to let our colleagues down. We're also we have the ability to be connected all the time. So your emails can pile up any hour of any day. Our generation also got called entitled very early on, right? And the entitled generation expects everything. um, And so I think people are trying to work against that impression and say, well, I'm not entitled. I haven't worked here for enough years to use my time off. So I think it's self-imposed guilt a lot of the time.
1: Have you encountered any challenges uh, trying to, Kind of tell your uh, benefits to companies, and kind of like how do you go? Uh, how do you go buy that? How do you tell your story uh, the right way to one of your clients?
2: Yeah, so I think the story starts very organically. Like we really did just initially want to help people save for their travel goals. But then I started asking people, what prevents you from going on vacation? And 50% of people said, I don't have the budget. And the other 50% said, I'm hesitant to ask for time off. And around that time, as I'd started pitching this to the tech community in Toronto, they said, well, we're trying to get people to feel encouraged to use their time off. Why aren't people using their vacation days? Why are we seeing a really big problem with burnout and people are never disconnecting so what if we could encourage people to use their time off by putting money towards their vacations showing them that this really is an expectation and so for us what's been really interesting is that vacations employee vacations among CEOs and c-suite executives is a polarizing topic So some CEOs buy in immediately. I'm talking to someone and they said, I know employees need to take time off. I know people are overworked. I can see when people are unmotivated. And so we really need to encourage people to use their time off. And we if we can make their time off more worthwhile, then that's amazing. And then there are other C-suite executives that have said, no, people don't need time off. People can work from anywhere. People should just be working really hard. Like if they don't like the work ethic here, they can go work somewhere else. So that's been interesting for us to see the low-hanging fruit are the people that already buy into what we're doing and why versus the companies that are less interested because the C-suite executives don't necessarily see this as an important part of their company culture.
0: So what first uh, inspired this idea? Were you a big traveler?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I like to call my dad a millennial before millennials so he basically he was a big saver he saved and then allowed us to travel but he really prioritized our family's finances on spending on experiences so we often stayed in hostels we did a house swap when we went to Australia like he found a frugal way to travel but we took maybe three trips a year so by the time I turned 22 I'd been to over 40 countries And then I saw people joining these bucket list platforms and I thought, okay, that's incredible. People are setting and accomplishing goals. I love that. But one of the trips on everyone's list was a safari. And that's one of the trips that my dad didn't take us on because it's so expensive. And so my frugal mindset kicked in and I said, I need to help people save for their travel goals or they're not going to get there. Like, how can I help get people to their trips? And then it sort of evolved from there to start solving other problems as well. I love
1: that. Yeah. So like travel is obviously like a really good way to unwind. But you personally, you talked a lot about traveling and how you love that. Is there anything else that you like to do to unwind? And to kind of prevent burnout, as you're saying?
2: Um I think I do try to take my evenings off as best I can and go home and cook dinner. I really do. I'm big into nutrition and now, of course, mindfulness and meditation and what role rest can actually play on our ability to sort of perform and accomplish things at work. Um, So evenings off cooking, I really like to spend time with my family. I really like to spend time with my fiance, who has been a big supporter throughout the startup journey. So I feel like he just makes this process so much easier. So spending quality time with him, even if sometimes it's a night of Netflix, I mean, and sometimes that's necessary.
0: Definitely. And as a founder, do you find that you're able to kind of disconnect when you travel or when you're remote or are you kind of always connected, especially in this early stage? Yeah, I've, I've
2: battled with that a little bit myself because I feel like this is something that I preach very often, that it is important for people to disconnect Um, But at the same time, being in the early stages of a business, I also never want my team to feel like I've let them down or dropped the ball on something. So I'm actually leaving for Italy on August 23rd. And I told my team, I said, I'm going to be fully offline for the first six days. And then I'm going to come back in, check if there's anything urgent um, and, and take it from there, depending on what's going on. So I'm, I'm being very thoughtful about how I approach it. It is difficult, especially as there's so much going on with an early stage company. Um, and I love it. I love it. So it's hard for me to force myself to disconnect. But at the same time, I talk about it a lot. I really do believe it's essential.
1: Yeah so a lot of the things is that uh, a lot of people look at it as the as taking time off and taking time for yourself is kind of a fact that that will increase your productivity is kind of like an opinion, but it's not. There's a lot of hard science behind that. Can you talk a little bit about that and how the how like the numbers and actual statistics? Uh, play into this,
2: yeah, and I think we started looking into this even more when the World Health Organization really brought up burnout as sort of an epidemic, a really big problem, and so I started looking into what does burnout actually mean because in some people when they 're incredibly stressed, symptoms manifest physically, right like people literally can have organ failure or limbs can stop working, or a lot of different problems have come up based on people 's stress, stress is a big problem. Um, So when we started looking into what else burnout can mean in a less obvious sense, some of the definitions just mean like someone just lost their motivation. They were really excited about their job and now they're not. They're feeling overworked or they feel like they care less. There's so much on the go that they've had to convince themselves to care less so that they are less overwhelmed. So as we've been looking at What does burnout mean to different types of individuals? It's just sort of brought us to the point of, okay, well, what can help combat that for everyone? And there are so many different methods out there. But for us, one of the things that we especially like to talk about is that, Burnout can happen even faster when you're living your life on the same routines every single day. You're always connected. You're always doing the same things. You're living almost on autopilot. So it doesn't give your brain a chance to think in any new thought patterns. So what we like to encourage employees of our client companies to do is when they're planning a trip, maybe take part in either a new experience or go to a place that really allows them to properly rest and feel like they're resting for themselves. So what's really cool about new experiences is it forces you to be present, right? Like it forces you to develop these new thought patterns because you haven't developed any autopilot habits, right? So if you go to a new place that you've never been before, then everything's new. You're very present because you have no choice but to be.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And also if people have the opportunity to go somewhere and learn a new language or anything like that, meet new people all of that is so healthy for you
2: yeah absolutely embrace a new culture eat new food
0: and how do you encourage uh, your own employees on your team and how do you kind of build start building a culture around that early
2: yeah so I think for us what's been really cool is that we've hired people based on our mission right like help people live their lives to the fullest help people feel encouraged to take time for themselves life is not just work there is sort of a what we like to call work-life integration. How can what you do at work support what you want to do away from work? And that's really what Vacation Fund is, aligning employer and employee desires. So for our own team, we really tried to say, okay, when are we onboarding the next few client companies? What does our timeline look like in the next few weeks? And how can we encourage people to use time off based on what we are trying to accomplish? So I really try to encourage our team to say, we preach this every day, figure out when you think it might make sense for you to go away. So one of our employees took some time off over the holidays and Audrey on our team is going to go away in October because we've had a few bigger things come up for our September calendar. So, it's really just trying to figure out, hey, like we make this such a priority, we can't not take time off. So, we have to figure out when it'll make the most sense and just be supportive. We one of the lines that we really like to use even for our client companies is there's never a perfect time to go away. Mm-hmm. There will always be things to do. There will always be things that come up, but we, we truly believe in the need to disconnect and we truly believe in the need to experience something new and rest. So if we don't make time for ourselves, how could we expect our clients and their employees to do that? And so I think hiring based on the belief in the mission has helped us work through any and all challenges because we we are all obviously every single one of us could be making more money elsewhere we're a startup on a budget like we're we're all being paid salaries but it's not what we could be making elsewhere we're bought into okay I want to take this chance because I believe in this company's mission I believe that there is a place for this company in the future and so I think that's really helped us believe in this bright shiny vision of the future and know that there will be challenges along the way but I think I think everyone on our team has this growth mindset and this belief in the need for vacation funds to exist over the next five to ten years that that's sort of helped us and we always every time there's any sort of conflict and we discuss things openly as a team and we have disagreements of course but we just really try to bring it back to, OK, what fundamentally are we trying to accomplish and then discuss it from there. So I think that just helps guide everything, because that's one thing that we all know we have in common. We believe in the mission together.
0: That's really cool. And um when you were pitching your company early on to investors and at competitions, did you have this mission always in the back of your mind or has this sort of come to be as you've gone on?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think I think in the last year and a half, we started framing it as help people live their lives to the fullest. But really like when I was looking at everyone's bucket list trips and just saying, okay, I want to help people get to these new experiences. That to me was my own definition of living life to the fullest, living life to the fullest to me means living a life of as many experiences as possible, because we know that experiences make people happier than stuff does. So how can we help people allocate and prioritize putting time and money towards new experiences, and then now the approach to sort of help people feel encouraged to do that has just changed, but the underlying sort of mission did not.
1: What are some of the most uh, difficult challenges that you face when first starting Vacation Fund, and how did you overcome those?
2: Yeah, I think it's really interesting when you come up with an idea and you've never technically, in the eyes of the people that you're pitching to, you've never accomplished anything like a first time founder is a tough spot to be in. And there are some venture capitalists that will only talk to someone that this is their second or third company, right? Like the idea of, I f- totally believe that failure teaches people so much and we've had miniature failures along the way, but we haven't had a company that has full out failed before. So I think as a first-time founder, getting people to believe that you are the person to bring this thing in the world into the world and you can actually pull this off and you can grow a team and you can have enough money to keep surviving, I mean, you just have to execute, right? Like you just have to keep proving it. Um, So that's interesting. There are people that will love either you as a person or love your idea, but aren't necessarily sure if now is the right time. Like there is always so much doubt to overcome
0: that can only be overcome by continuing to prove yourself. And how did you go about finding these investors who are willing to meet with a first-time founder and things like that?
2: I think a lot of it was a big networking game. And it's funny because in my capital markets days, I actually told my mentor on the RBC trading floor, I said, I think if I could network for a living, I would be in my happy place. And now I feel like that's my job. Um, So really, it was just, I mean, I was very grateful and i know not everyone has the opportunity to do a friends and family round but i i was in a position to be able to put some money into the company myself and then i was in a position to be able to raise a friends and family round to get us going and basically prove that we had a concept And from there, I had actually taken part in Founder Institute so that I could meet a lot of people in tech very quickly and pitch to people every week for about three months. And so from there, I started doing monthly email updates, just updating people on what we'd accomplished, what we were trying to do in the next month and some sort of ask. And the ask was sometimes for introductions to other people, or sometimes it was to potential users or potential clients. So I just said, okay, use my opportunities to build a network, and then from there, take that network and blast them with emails once a month to tell them what we've done already, like keep proving ourselves, keep building the network. And then it's just sort of grown from there. And I just sent out our latest monthly email update this morning, and today it goes out to about 400 people. And we get maybe maybe 5% of people actually respond, but about 75% of people are actually reading the emails, which means we're on at least 400 people's minds once a month. So that's been incredibly helpful. That's how we got our first angel investor. Um, that's how we raised the friends and family round without really pitching anyone. That's how we got a couple of our early clients as well, just people forwarding our email saying, what do you think of this idea?
1: And uh, do you have any tips or uh, tricks for networking or how did you go about and do it and what's the best way to make a really solid network connection?
2: What I really like to do is find opportunities where I can either pitch or present or share what we are doing and then give other people the opportunity to come to me. Like I actually naturally, despite being loving what we're doing and really believing in our mission and when someone comes to me and they're interested in what we're doing, I can talk about it all day long, but I don't actually feel like a true, um, salesperson, because I don't like walking into a room and just trying to individually sell to 50 different people. I know some people have the gift of doing that. I would rather find the opportunities where I can go up and pitch. And that was one of the things that I did actually love about Founder Institute. I could go up, pitch in front of some people, tell them what we're doing, and then it was a forum to get their feedback or have them say, okay, I'm interested, let me help you. And so I think giving other people the chance to come to me was my preferred method for networking. Um, but then there are, yeah, there are some people that just have the gift of sales. So they would approach it a little bit differently. But I think keeping people up to date, I don't, I don't remember who was the first person to tell me to do these monthly email updates, but I think that has fueled a lot of the growth of this company, keeping people updated on what we've done because it always feels like we're moving slowly. But really, if we look back on our monthly updates from a year ago, we're blown away with how much we've accomplished, right? Yeah, for sure.
0: And how did you go about actually building the vacation fund product? And is it unique for each customer that gets onboarded?
2: Yeah. So this was actually, I was thinking about this on the way over here. It was a very conservative Canadian approach. So I think some tech companies started with this idea and they just believed that, okay, we're going to build this thing and then the users will come and then we'll figure out who wants to use it. We took the the sort of more Canadian conservative approach of let's build a scrappy manual version of this And then see if someone's willing to pay us for it. And then we'll figure out what has to be automated for it to be scalable. So when I onboarded the first sort of our first b2b client i onboarded their 12 person team it was 88 agency here in toronto i onboarded their 12 person team using a vacation fund branded type form survey i went around the table i told employees what we do i said we're going to coordinate with your payroll provider we're going to let a certain dollar amount come off of each of your paychecks and then we are going to have that money and whenever you want to spend it towards your vacation fund you let us know and we'll send it back to you and we also asked employees okay what are you saving for what do you want to do with your time off the next time you take a trip and i didn't even know about MixMax or any of these automated email services back then i was literally sending employees And email myself once a month saying, congratulations, you're $300 closer to your trip to Australia. So it was the epitome of doing things that don't scale. Mm -hmm. So we built the manual scrappy version and then I got to show my co-founder, okay, this is what I think needs to be automated because I can't do this for 100 more companies, right? Yeah.
0: That's really cool. And um, who got to take the first vacation? Where did they go?
2: Oh, man, I think the first vacation, it was one of the employees at 88 Agency actually saved up for, I think it was five months and took a trip to Australia. That's so so exciting. That was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was a good one.
1: Cool. And you were talking about how originally you started with a survey. And uh, did you use like uh, SurveyMonkey or just do a Facebook survey? And what kind of questions did you use to actually gauge what people wanted?
2: Yeah. So we went in and this was after we already figured, okay, 88 agency wants to put $500 a year towards employees vacation fund. That's great. So then we went to type form, built out a type form survey and then said, okay, so of how much money do you want to direct from your after tax paycheck? What kind of trip do you wanna save for? How long do you wanna go away for? Do you currently collect travel points? Where do you like to book your trips? And we basically asked all of these questions that we would want to know to say, okay, what can we do from here? If everyone was collecting the same travel points, we probably would have gone and tried to build a relationship with that provider, but people were all over the place. The other really interesting question that I got to ask people during what what was happening with the initial conversation with 88 agency employees, as I said, if you had $2,000 aside today to spend on travel, where would you go to spend it? and they gave me 35 different travel sites, some of which I'd never heard of. So I said, okay, I don't know who to partner with. And basically it said, if we're not gonna restrict where people can spend the money, the offers that we end up putting in front of our users need to be significantly lower than what they could find publicly, what they could find on their own. Like these need to actually be exclusive rates or else no one's ever going to book through us because we're not forcing them to. So that was really good learning and and a conversation that we're even having now. We're just introducing to our users this travel concierge based on them filling in preferences for what they want to do with their time off, not too far off from what we were asking people with the type form survey. But now we're saying, okay, when we give you access to this complimentary travel concierge what information do you want them to share with you do they do you want recommendations for either accommodations or for excursions or for sort of off the beaten path experiences so we're trying to be very thoughtful about okay what goes into the platform next in terms of features
0: and what will people actually care about And um, the one thing we want to talk about before we go into rapid fire questions, I wanted to bring up that CBC article. It was really cool to see that trend. Um, How did that feel to be featured on there? That was absolutely a highlight for us.
2: And I think it just, I've actually thought a lot about how or why did this happen? And I think it's because there's been a lot of alignment with our intentions and our very genuine, just wanting to help people do this awesome thing and addressing these big pain points that companies are having. So the writer for CBC reached out to me over LinkedIn said, hey, I'm going to do an article on vacation time. Can we chat? And to us, someone framed it really well the other day. They said, your biggest competitor is lack of awareness. Nobody right now is Googling employer-matched vacation saving. So from my perspective, anytime someone gives me a chance to speak to the world about what we're doing, I do it, of course. So I said, okay, sure, we can talk about vacation time, happy to chat. And then we had a call and... I guess she was just really interested and she said okay this is cool companies are putting money towards people's vacations and then she said okay can we talk to one of your client companies can we talk to one of your users that's actually booked a trip and I said well yeah of course absolutely and I really thought initially it was going to be some sort of back column thing or wouldn't get a lot of awareness or exposure for us and then the morning that it came out it was June 4th it came out I guess at four in the morning and by the time I woke up I had four people send me the article saying you didn't tell me you were going to be on the cover of CBC and then it was trending for two days and then our inbound inquiries went from one to four inbound inquiries from companies a week to 30 that week including some very big companies, the biggest being a 10,000 person American financial institution. So from our perspective, like we couldn't have paid for that kind of publicity. Like it was very happened very organically.
0: No, that's really exciting. It was really cool to see that trend. That was awesome. And I guess you made a good point. Instead of um, a company where there's like keywords available, you're almost starting a keyword Um, That probably comes with some difficulties. How is that for SEO and things like that?
2: Yeah, so I think for us, and I've even been testing, I'm not great at social media, but I've even been testing out different hashtags on LinkedIn, trying to figure out what gets the most exposure and what gets the most clicks and reactions. Um, For us, it's really, okay, like what topics are people talking about that we're relevant for? So I've often been following like any of the topics of, burnout, vacation time, millennials, benefits, employee benefits, those kinds of things. And really what's been interesting for us is thinking through what are people searching for? Normally, that might actually find this interesting. So if people are searching new employee benefits or innovative employee benefits, how do we get them to come across us? So that's been a, it's definitely been an interesting challenge. So it's great from the perspective of a lot of people are so excited about this that they've never heard of it, that they want to implement it immediately. Um, But then there are other people that are like, oh, okay, maybe we need to see this proven out a few years over first before we could ever offer it.
0: For rapid fire. What is your favorite spot in Toronto?
2: Oh, I really like going home to my condo. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, but I do love the Toronto Island. Like the day that I've spent out there in the last, only one day in the last three years, that felt like a mini vacation.
1: When you're not at home, when you're just out walking around, do you have a favorite street that you like to be on?
2: Oh, favorite street. I think Queen Street has really evolved and I'm biased because our office is there. Like I live very close to there. So it's been interesting to watch that evolve. I also just obviously, of course, I love distillery district because it, sometimes it feels like you're in a different country or at least a different city. Um, yeah. So distillery is awesome.
0: Very cool. And um, what is the best place that you've ever
2: traveled to? I absolutely love Greece. I've done Greece three times. I've done it as a family trip. I've done it as a couple's trip. And I've done it as a friend's trip. And I think no matter what you're going for, you will get something amazing out of it.
1: Would you live anywhere else outside of Toronto?
2: Oh, I, I It's funny because I keep telling people, like, I played field hockey during university. So a lot of my close friends live on the West Coast because in British Columbia, you can play all year round. I would move out to BC if I could afford to live well out there. I think the West Coast is amazing. I'm a big skier, so I think that would also be incredible, just access to really good mountains. Um, But yeah, I think I would sooner move across the country than I would move to a different country.
0: And um, what is your go-to karaoke song?
2: Oh man, I could sing all of the words to any of the Lion King songs and any of the Mamma Mia
1: songs. <laughs> all
2: all ABBA songs and then all the whole Lion King soundtrack.
1: Who was your favorite teacher?
2: Is it really cheesy and cliche to say my dad? Because he actually teaches grade 12 economics now. Yeah, so that's he, perfect. he did leave finance to teach, um, but he's just taught me so many lessons. So he, when he graduated university, he played for the Argos for three years. And then he went into finance and had a good career there. And then he got up and said, no, I want to do something else. And then he became a teacher. So it's just every time he makes a decision or sets a goal, then he just goes and does it. So I think he, he and I are very much alike in setting our sights on something and going after after it. So, um, yeah, he, he just taught me a lot. I love that. And, um, who's the best boss that you've ever had? The best boss I've ever had. I mean, this is also going to be a cheesy answer, but my fiance's mother was the first person that gave me a job out of, uh, out of high school, I guess, and just trained me for a summer and said, okay, like, I think she was the first person that told me, especially when there's a lot on the go, you prioritize things, right? You do what you can do. And then you let the questions sort of Pile up, and then you go and say, Hey, need your ear just for five minutes. I have these questions. And she just taught me to make things very efficient in the workplace. So that was my first, I guess, sort of corporate job. And she taught me some good fundamentals there.
1: Cool. So that was your first corporate job. But what was your very first job?
2: I was a waitress at Boston Pizza. I also think that was an incredible learning opportunity. I didn't do it for very long, but waitressing, like, that is a really tough gig. That is a tough gig, and I think it just helps put a lot of things in perspective and really helps you think about the client, and that was a that was a good place to, to learn other life skills.
0: Very cool. Well, thank you so much for answering all our questions. Um, it's really exciting to see everything trending up, so congrats. Thank you so much. No, I'm, I'm excited about the things that I'm spending time on, so it's uh, it's great to talk about
1: it. Yeah, thank you so much for coming.
0: Thanks, guys. We wanted to thank you so much for coming in. We had such a great time interviewing you for Floater Founder.
1: And thank you so much to our listeners. We are so excited to share more founder stories with you. Until
0: Until next time.